Lord, as we just sung, you are our steadfast love. You are our deep and our boundless peace. In the midst of all of the the swirl of chaos and uncertainty, you are so steady and so present and so sure and so good. We pray, Lord, that you would use this time as we learn more about your ways by diving into your word. We pray that you would use this time to deepen in us a confidence that your love for us is steadfast and that we can find our peace, regardless of our circumstances, in you. We pray this, Jesus, in your name, because you are king. Amen. Well, good morning, beloved Covenant family. Good morning, our online friends and family. It is so good to be with you all this morning. And kiddos, it's so great to see you. I miss you so much. I was thinking about how cool it would be if I could climb from here through the camera screen and out through your computer screen or your TV and give you a hug. Wouldn't that be awesome? But I can't do that. So we'll have to wait to be able to see each other. So would you do me a favor, kids? If you've got something to draw with, would you draw me a picture of you, maybe you and your family, watching this morning, watching us, watching me on your computer or on your TV? And then would you ask your mom or your dad to send that to me or maybe post it on our Facebook page? I would love to see what you draw. Well, this morning, we are starting a new sermon series that's about some of the ways that the coronavirus and all of the the nonsense that has come with us, all of the frustrations and all of the challenges, we're exploring the ways that those things are surfacing limitations in us as human beings. So let me start off by asking you all a question, and I would love it if you'd uh, been using your phone already a fair amount this morning. Would you text in a response? We're gonna put a number up on the screen and love to have you text in a response to this. How is COVID-19 revealing some of your limits as a human being? What are you bumping up against in yourself? Where are you coming to the end of yourself? Maybe the limitations are getting revealed in your circumstances, maybe in your physical well-being. We've got the number there on the screen. I love that. Um, So text us a, a response, and that will help us frame in our sermon series as we go forward. In a word, in a phrase maybe, what is a limitation that you are experiencing surfacing in you? So I believe that this virus and all of the challenges that have come with it is actually not just revealing limitations that we have during a pandemic, but is really surfacing limitations that we all have as human beings all the time. It's revealing things that are true about us as human beings but that we haven't really seen quite as clearly until we see them in this light, kind of like our necks. I don't know if you saw the Wall Street Journal article on Friday morning that talked about the horror with with which people are discovering in all their online conferencing how ugly their necks are, that they have double chins or flabby chins or whatever else. And the article went on to describe with some humor some of the the, uh, lengths to which people are going to try to hide their necks. They're lifting up their cameras. They're doing the thinker pose to try to cover up their neck. Or there's the ostrich where you sit up really straight and put your 
headway far forward, so the flab sort of disappears. They talked about men growing beards to try to cover their necks. They talked about some people actually taping their necks back so the flab disappears. And I'm guessing more than one person is thinking during this corona season that neck surgery is an essential medical procedure. So it's not just our necks that are getting revealed during this coronavirus. It's a lot of things that are going on on the inside of us as human beings. And those are the things that we want to be exploring together. So you all know what this is. This is a remote, and you all know how it works. If there's something on that you find boring, or if there's something on that you find offensive, or if there's something on that's driving you crazy, or if there's something on that just isn't your preference, you point the remote, you click a button, and you change to something that you find enjoyable, assuming there is such a thing on TV these days. So the coronavirus has surfaced all kinds of things in us that we would just rather not be experiencing. Not being able to gather for worship is part of life that we would rather not have to find ourselves in the middle of. The annoyance of having to do the whole social distancing thing and wear masks all the time. The challenge of being separate from people that we love when we're in difficult circumstances, such as when they're in the hospital, or things like salary cuts, or, or the way that the worst of us or the worst of those we love is coming out towards one another, or just the boredom or the weariness or craziness of all being kind of crammed together in the same space for so long. Everything in us is reaching around for the remote. Now, where did I put that thing? And then when we finally find it, we're trying to find the right button that will change our circumstances. Did somebody not change the battery in this thing? But no matter how hard we push on the remote, there's not any way we can change what we find ourselves in the middle of. Did you know that... Um, did you know what the very first remote was called when Zenith came out with it in 1950? I bet you don't have the remotest idea. It was called the Lazy Bones. I'm not evaluating, I'm just reporting historical information. Although I think that would be a great term for us to re-adopt these days. And then in 1956, when Zenith came out with the first wireless remote, it was called the Space Command. But the name that we've kind of arrived at for this thing, as you know, is the remote control. And it's that control word which is the really significant part of it. As anybody who's ever sat on the couch next to somebody else watching anything on the TV knows this thing is all about controlling what's going on in front of you. So one of the limitations that is surfacing in all of us during this virus is our realizing how much of life is really out of our control. Since this whole corona thing started, 
somebody else has been picking the channel, somebody else has been deciding what I've been watching, and no matter how many buttons I push or how hard I squeeze them, it doesn't change. Right when the corona restrictions kicked in, Sharon and I were already on our way to North Carolina. We were heading down there because our kids were gonna do a quick uh, getaway vacation. Their trip got canceled, we drove down there, stayed for a day or two and turned around and came back. All of that out of our control. We didn't have any say in any of that. Right after that time down there, I was supposed to head down for my four-day covenant group gathering. And this is going to be our big celebration because we've been meeting every year for 30 years together as a group of pastors to encourage and support each other. And all of that was canceled and replaced with a very unsatisfactory two-hour Zoom call. And then after that, I was supposed to head off to seminary in a suitcase. This year, we're doing two gatherings, one in Romania, another one in Albania for the first time this year. All of that canceled as well. And every single one of you has a story just exactly like mine. One thing after another, canceled, postponed, changed, furloughed, locked down, dropped. Our work arrangements, our trip plans, the way the school year was supposed to end, graduation parties, summer camps, medical procedures, all disrupted, all out of our control. And not just things on a large scale like that, but it's even the, the stuff on the day-to-day -day scale that, that has all been disrupted and we realize is out of our control. Just simple things like scheduled teeth cleanings or haircuts or, or book club gatherings or coffee chat get-togethers or trips to the grocery. Even something as simple as trying to track down a bottle of hand sanitizer makes us realize there really just is not a whole lot that is within our control. And out of control is not a familiar thing to most of us. And out of control is not a comfortable thing for any of us. I mean, you know the kinds of feelings that are surfacing in all of us in the middle of, of this. When, when you have a sense that you don't have control, it's wearying. You feel trapped. You can feel helpless, powerless. It can make you begin to feel fear that things are going to go away that you're afraid of or anxious about how they're going to unfold. It can lead you to feel depressed, mad. I mean, those are all different kinds of things swirling around in all of us because of what we're facing. And the reaction in the middle of all of that is, where's the dumb remote? How do I change this? And we can't. So let's take some time to open up this idea a bit. This idea of being able to control the way that life is going or not being able to control it. I want to talk with you about three impressions that we can have related to controlling life that are based on our feelings and based on our circumstances. And then I want to touch on three realities that the Bible teaches us about control. So first impression, generally speaking, most of us, most of the time, like to think that we are in control. 
or at least the, that's the impression that we have. I mean, you think about the language that we use when we talk with one another. Well, this summer, I'm gonna, uh, after graduation, then I'm gonna get a summer job, and then I'm gonna head off to college, and then after college, I'm gonna get a great job, and, or this summer, we're gonna get married, and then we're gonna head off on our honeymoon, and after we get back, we're gonna buy a house, and then later on, we're gonna have some kids, or we've been saving up our money, so this summer, we're gonna head off on a vacation, and I mean, all of our language sounds like we're the ones who are in control. We all live with that illusion, don't we? Most, most of us like to think that we are the ones in charge. But this coronavirus is revealing for us what's really been true all along. Here's the reality. I'm not in control. I never was, and I never will be. Here's a fairly faithful picture of our efforts to be in control as human beings. To maintain the sense that we are in control, we have to have a view of the world that's kind of, that turns the world into sort of a cause and effect machine. So if I do this, if I work hard at this, or if I try to take control of this, then this will be the automatic outcome. But that's just not the way that it works as the coronavirus is making really plain to us. Listen to these words from King Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter 9. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race, and the strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. The wise sometimes go hungry, and the skillful are not necessarily wealthy. Those who are educated don't always lead successful lives. It's all decided by chance, by being in the right place at the right time. People can never predict when hard times might come. Like fish in a net or birds in a trap, people are caught by sudden tragedy. So the first impression is that I'm in control, but the reality is I'm not. So that leads to the second impression. And that is that God isn't in control. 
or at least that's the impression that we get. So many things go in such unexpected ways for us that it seems like, as Ecclesiastes 9 puts it in the context of that, uh, that passage, it seems like everything just gets decided by chance. But it isn't. And here's the second reality which the Bible teaches consistently from cover to cover. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 reminds us that God is in control, that he always has been and he always will be. It says, in him we were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. So why does it feel like I'm in control at times when I'm not. And why does it feel at times like God isn't in control when he is? Some of you remember that we once had a dog named Bedelia who adopted us on a family camping trip. Well, from her perspective, when she went for a walk, she went on a walk and I kind of tagged along. She sniffed and she dug and she made a mess and she ran in circles and she barked and and she did whatever she wanted to do. And within the scope of her leash, she had the sense that she was in complete control. But from my perspective, I didn't go with Bedelia on a walk. I took Bedelia on a walk. We went, the whole walk was according to my plan. We went where I wanted us to go. Now, Bedelia wasn't in control. I was. Now, sometimes, and I would say actually almost always with Bedelia, she fought against my control and tried to do her thing rather than my thing. But still, the ultimate control in the walk was mine, even to the point one time of me picking up our dog and carrying it all the way home on one of our walks. So this tension of our control and God's control, our free will, but God's sovereign purposes being worked out, it's captured perfectly in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. I love the way the Good News Bible translates this. It says, you may make your plans, but God directs your actions. So according to the Bible, I'm not in control, but God is. Okay, if that's true, then that leads to a third impression. If God is in control, then the pain and the difficulty and the uncertainty in my life makes it seem like he isn't doing such a great job being in charge. Is God in control? Can he be trusted? The impression is that he can't. But here's the reality. Not only is God in control, but he is good and he is completely to be trusted all the time. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, this familiar passage, you know, says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. God loves you so much. And he is conspiring in all circumstances that are unfolding according to his perfect purposes. He is conspiring to work good in your life. We can affirm that in every single circumstance, including this corona circumstance, God is good and he is to be trusted. But two things make it really difficult for us to see how it is that God is working for good in every circumstance that we face. First of all, because God is God, 
Sometimes God does things that I don't understand. There are so many things that I experience in my life that God doesn't explain. And there are so many things that I experience in my life that I wouldn't understand even if God did try to explain them. Romans chapter 11, verse 36 says, Oh, the depth of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths are beyond our tracing out. Who has ever known the mind of God? So because God's designs are beyond our tracing out, there are going to be a whole lot of things in my life that will go just the way God wants them to go, but not just the way that I want them to go. So because God is God, sometimes God will do things that I don't understand. Here's the second reason why I can doubt if God is really working for good in the struggles that I experience in my life. Because God is good, and because of the good God wants to do in me, sometimes things don't go, sometimes God does things that I don't like. So I may experience loss or difficulty or, or disappointment or struggle. Not I may, I will. And even with those things present in my life, God is still God and he is still good and he is still working good in all things, even in the middle of those things. Jesus says in John chapter 16, verse 33, the last night that he spent with his disciples before his own death, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. The scriptures help us understand why it is that God may allow us to experience circumstances that are not under our control and not to our liking. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, Paul says, we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to Endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Or as the God's Word translation puts it in really direct terms, we suffered so that we would stop trusting ourselves and learn to trust God. Because God is God, sometimes he does things that we don't understand. And because God is good, sometimes he does things that we don't like. But all of that, God gives us his gift so that we can learn more and more how to rely on him. How to trust him. Difficulties are things that God uses to take us into deeper surrender. C.S. Lewis, in his amazing book, The Problem of Pain, helps explain why God allows difficult to understand and difficult to experience circumstances to be part of our experience. He says, my own experience is something like this. I'm progressing along the path of, the, uh, along the path of life in my ordinary, contentedly fallen and godless condition when suddenly a stab of abdominal pain that threatens serious illness or a headline in the newspapers that threatens us all with destruction sends the whole pack of cards tumbling down. At first, I'm overwhelmed and all my happiness looks like broken toys. And then 
Slowly and reluctantly, bit by bit, I try to bring myself into the frame of mind that I should be in at all times. I remind myself that all these toys were never intended to possess my heart, that my true good is in another world, and my only real treasure is in Christ. And perhaps, by God's grace, I succeed, and for a day or two, become a creature consciously dependent on God and drawing its strength from the right sources. But the moment the thread is withdrawn, my whole nature leaps back to the toys. Thus, the terrible necessity, Lewis says, of tribulation is only too clear. Let him but sheathe that sword for a moment, and I behave like a puppy when the hated bath is over. I shake myself as dry as I can, and I race off to reacquire my comfortable dirtiness if not in the nearest manure bed, at least in the nearest flower bed. And that is why tribulations cannot cease until God sees us remade. So when these things come that we find so unpleasant, instead of reaching for the remote and trying to change the channel, God invites us to reach out for his hand and to invite him to change our perspective. Life seems like it is in my control, but it isn't. It never was and it never will be. And life seems like it is out of God's control, but it isn't. It has always been in his control and always will be. God is in control, working all things together for our good. So at the heart of a response, of our response that that God is inviting us to, in the middle of all of our struggle and difficulty, in the middle of all of that is a simple choice. Specifically, it's a choice to trust. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 captures it perfectly. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't rely on your own insights. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Our feelings and our circumstances are telling us one thing, and they are telling it to us loudly and persuasively that life is out of control and we need to grab for control. But the Bible is telling us another thing altogether. Whether or not we see it, whether or not we feel it, God is in control, working all things together beautifully to fulfill his good and loving purposes for each of us. And we need to grab onto him. So there are two Wonderful prayers that I would like to suggest that we consider praying whenever life feels out of control. As a way of expressing our choice to trust God, to grab onto God, and to surrender to whatever are God's good and loving purposes. The first one is the serenity prayer, but actually the prayer that we call the serenity prayer is just a few kind of catchy lines from a much richer prayer that was written by Reinhold Niebuhr. You can get the full version online. I would encourage you to do that. We'll be praying that prayer. And then the second prayer is called the Prayer of Indifference. It was written by a British pastor named F.E. Marsh. The word indifference doesn't mean not caring. It's a word that comes from the writing of Ignatius of Loyola that means not having your heart attached to a certain outcome, not insisting that things go a certain way. It's a prayer for God to make us indifferent to anything but his will. 
Both of these prayers are ways for us to lay down the remote control and take hold of God's hand. So in just a moment, I'm going to lead us in praying those prayers. But first, just a brief story from my own experience about how prayers like these become so important for us when we feel out of control. Many of you know, some of you, because you were here during those years, that my first three years as the pastor here at Covenant were really, really difficult. They were painful. And I'll be the first one to admit, I had a whole lot to learn about leading, and I brought a lot of those challenges on myself. But the criticism grew and it grew until it got to the point where I really began to wonder if my ministry here was going to last. I was so confident that God had brought us here, so I was incredibly confused and surprised and frustrated and hurt by the strength of the the criticism and the pushback. I still remember saying to God, this sure doesn't look the way I thought it was going to look. When do I get a say? When do I get to, to have a vote in how my life goes? I wanted to change the channel so badly. And I was looking everywhere for the remote. But God was so patient and he was so gracious in that time. He walked me through that time, holding me by the hand, quieting me with his love, breaking me of my prideful self-reliance and bringing me to a place of real surrender where more and more the thing that I wanted more than anything else was whatever he wanted, whatever that might mean for me. During this coronavirus that feels so out of control for all of us, we can be tempted on the basis of what we feel and what our circumstances are telling us, we can be so tempted to feel like life is out of God's control. But God is working all things in conformity with the purpose of his will, and he invites us to choose On the basis of what he has revealed in his word, he invites us to choose to put our trust in him. So let's do that this morning. I'm going to pray these prayers, and I just want to invite you to pray along with them in your heart, and then we'll come out of those prayers and straight into our closing song, which is also a prayer. So first the serenity prayer, and then the prayer of indifference. Let them be the way that you say to God this morning, I lay down the remote control. I take hold of your hand and I choose to trust that you are in control. Let these prayers be the way that you say yes to God today. Let's pray. Lord, give us grace to accept with serenity the things that cannot be changed. Courage to change the things which should be changed and the wisdom to distinguish the one from the other. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, and trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. And the prayer of indifference, your will 
nothing more, nothing less, nothing else.